Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. We need cheese. We need you Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz, episode 452. Oscar Lopez in the house, and we're going to be followed by the backseat coach, a.k.a. Mark Simone, plus coach Terry Lister of TL Talks Podcast in the second hour as we break down the WNFC nine-cup preview of the final. Texas Elite Spartans taking on the Mississippi Lady Panthers. The matchup that we all wanted in the WNFC finally has come true, and so uh, this is what we're waiting for this weekend. Big weekend in the WNFC. We'll go over all the itinerary that's going to happen for the uh, uh, Women's National Football Conference annual Nine Cup weekend. And then we're also going to dive in a little bit on our thoughts on the WNFC annual awards finalist list that came out uh, about a week ago. Uh, everybody was there. Uh, some of the top players for each category, defensive, offensive, special teams, uh, you know, de- defensive players. So we're going to break that down. We're also dive into a little bit of the All-Pro, who was selected to the All-Pro team. That's going to include uh, Jennifer, uh, Jennifer King and uh, Callie Branson. Uh, both, co- will, both will be coaching uh, individual teams, Team uh, Saucy and Team Drip. So that's going to be awesome and exciting to see, both of them on the sidelines, uh, taking advantage of the Nine Cup event weekend. And then uh, also you will need to subscribe to WScore and how uh, you, know, you go on there. It's going to be an extra fee, of course, but that's – how it's going to go. Um, so uh, you can just di- dive into WScore, um, and it's going to be like, I believe, $14.99. Um, and then it's uh, going to be, uh, you know, extra cost on there. But, you know, if you want to watch the uh, Nine Cup Championship, that's where it's going to be. Uh, the Nine Cup Championships, you know, basically Mississippi versus the Texas Elite Spartans, uh, three-time champs versus Mississippi up and coming at this point. So, uh, we'll see how, you know, how they fare uh, against uh, the champions. But, uh, you know, the underdogs, that's, what, that's who we're rooting for. We're rooting for the Mississippi Lady Panthers to somehow upset the Texas Elite. That would be a classic nine-cup uh, event. Uh, hopefully that will happen. Sean Gore, uh, Regina Jackson, Mary Woodward. Uh, you guys, you know, Mary was here on our podcast a couple uh, podcasts ago. So you can go back to, I believe, 448. I'm correct, uh, and then 449 as well, plus 451. If you missed it last uh, last week, uh, the great Lexi Floor of the DC Divas was here with us, including the uh, talented T Singleton, getting ready for the WFA playoffs for the road to Canton. Uh, we're also breaking down. Um, uh, Adrian Smith was also here at 449, so you can guys go back and 449 
and uh, Angelica Grayson as well, Coach Angelica Grayson of the Texas Elite Spartans. And then if you go back to 448, uh, we interviewed the talented Lawanda Renee Pearson of the Pittsburgh Passion. So check out, subscribe, share our podcast on your favorite platform, Sprecher, Apple, or any other platform. Um, if you want to go to the shop, uh, our podcast is sponsored by Zazzle.com, worldwide shipping. Uh, and if you're in the U.S., you get Zazzle Black, and you get free shipping year-round for 12 months. Uh, so if you want to go to the shop at the No Joke Football Shop, it's uh, Zazzle.com forward slash Grand Beauties. 15% off gets you Zazzle Thanks. If there's a higher code, make sure you use it. Uh, you can get great stuff at Zazzle, uh, wedding stuff. You can get uh, party stuff, you pretty much uh, gifts. Uh, so if you're not inclined to buy anything from our shop, it's not a big deal. They also offer Star Wars, Disney, and uh, major brands, Marvel as well. So check it out at uh, Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties and support the podcast that way first. All right, um, so we're going to do international recaps right now, kind of go into it uh, at this point. Uh, let me break it down for you. So a lot of action happening. If you're not at the hub, the best network on the planet exists at the hub at Facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. You can also get updates on our Twitter feed at Gridiron Beauty on our Twitter, and you can follow us on Instagram every day in our stories and our reels and our posts on Instagram. Our stories are very popular. Thank you, everybody, for liking those and sharing those as well. Uh, and we got a mixture of a, a great networking team. Uh, we're also incorporating some of the top talented youth flag football players on the planet, including some of the top talented athletes in flag football. So you get your fix right there at, uh, on Instagram at Gridiron on Instagram as well. You can also visit our shop our No Joke Football shop on Instagram at No Joke Football, and you get to see the talented athletes that we are supporting there as well. All right, let's dive into it here before we get into the interview. And today we're going to have the talented Chris Sacco talking Utah Girls uh, Football League and its uh, continued success with the players in the WNFC. Uh, some, of the, some of the players from the Utah Girls Tackle Football League were actually participating in the Utah Falcons, including uh, Laura Getz. Uh, the quarterback that was in the playoffs um, uh, so, uh, because Sarah Galicia went down uh, in the last uh, playoff game. So uh, a lot of talent uh, from the uh, Utah Girls Football League now kind of migrated into the WNFC in terms of Utah. We'll see if they migrate in any other uh, any of the other teams at this point. Um, so we'll be talking to Chris Sacco about the 2023 season and uh, what they have in store for the 2024 uh, upcoming season and how parents can participate, plus the big events that happen there where they're getting uh, support by the youths, um, the conference there, where they're going to be uh, doing a lot of things with the girls' um, girls tackle football league in terms of the high school realm. So we'll get the lowdown and the fix and everything from uh, Chris Sacco here in a couple minutes. So she'll break it down. So uh, action overseas. Uh, well, uh, it didn't turn out as well as we thought it would. <laughs> we actually thought Copenhagen Raptors would at least – be competitive versus the uh, domination station that is the Carlstadt Crusaders, uh, Linda Johansson and company, um, and Gabby Novs. So uh, they win 47-6, to take down the Copenhagen Raptors. So Raptors not, not ready for the big, big time, if you want to call it that. And then there was a couple games that were actually forfeited. Uh, Gorderberg against ADKI, there was a scoreless, couldn't get the update there as well. And then on the 18th, North Copen. Edges of Estera Roosters 19 to six. Uh, on the 20th, Carlstad gets the win, 
So that's the last week of the season, uh, forfeited by Valenrega Trolls. Um, so the semifinals are set. It's going to be Karlstad against Nordkopen. Probably not going to fare well there. And then it's Gothenburg versus AK, AIK. So it's going to either be Karlstad, Gothenburg, Karlstad, AIK, and neither of those two teams have fared well against the Crusaders. So at the stands right now, Karlstad Crusaders will probably repeat uh, for another season in Sweden. Uh, they are that dominant and that uh, impressive. So uh, just like I don't think there's anybody in the league at this point even considered second. Uh, and we thought Copenhagen Raptors would have been that team, and it just did not turn out to be that team. So it's it's about really, um, you know, what what we're going to be, you know, dealing with going forward. I think if until somebody else steps up in terms of a program's stability, Karlstad's going to continue to reign in terms of the Swedish uh, Super Series, Women's Super Series. All right, uh, and in Finland, it was Helsinki uh, getting beat by Turku. Uh, edge 23 to 14, very good matchup. You can get it on Rodu right there uh, if you have Rodu access on there uh, in terms of Europe. So Maple League action right there. We're going to keep tabs on the next couple weeks here as the season winds down. And more than likely, as, as it stands also in Sweden, Turku looks very strong. Uh, Lena Kaza out there in company, they're doing a really good job. So uh, Helsinki, Turku, probably going to be the final uh, once again in Finland. And a resurgence Helsinki team has come a long way, so they've actually been more competitive this year than they were last the last season. So we'll see how it works out, uh, but I, more likely the favorites are going to be Turku at this point. Um, the other uh, um, final that's going to happen besides the nine cup in the United States this weekend, uh, it's going to be the WWCFL final. That'll be Saskatoon Valkyries looking for another title, uh, going up against Calgary Rage. And unfortunately, in the WWCFL, the last week of the season, plus the semifinals, uh, were very were were bad. Uh, um, the forfeited side on the west on the west coast was forfeited, so it basically gave Calgary a, uh, an opportunity just to walk into the final. They've had what we're going on two weeks now, two weeks to prepare for the Saskatoon Valkyries, and we'll see how well they are prepared against Saskatoon and Saskatoon. Uh, Kind of a tune-up game for them as they take down Regina, the Regina Riot in the Prairie uh, Conference Final. So uh, last season forfeits not not a very good look for the WWCFL, but it is what it is. Uh, we do get the West, East and West uh, matchup um, this this season, and Calgary of all teams is probably the standout team on the West side. So they are going to be the underdogs going up against the Valkyries. Uh, Valkyries, like I said, the staple program. Uh, they've been uh, the dominant force in the WWCFL since it, uh, since its creation. Kind of similar to what uh, Karlstad in the Sweden in the Swedish league has been. So uh, interesting to see who will who what will happen there. Whether Calgary has an opportunity to really shine and take down uh, Saskatoon Valkyries in the WWCFL final. So we'll keep you updated at the hub, facebook.com for Beauties to be, like I said, the best network on the planet exists at the hub. We built it, and we have amazing networking people that maintain it, and uh, we're hoping that, uh, you know, you guys are share, like, and our post to bring more awareness to women's tackle football internationally as well, and as well as domestically. All right, so let's go to Germany. Uh, it was this weekend on 6-17. Uh, I believe it's week three, if I'm correct, or week four. Week four, I believe. 
Uh, Sarlon, 36, falls, falls to Munich, Cowboys, 54 to 36. Kind of a good competitive matchup there until the fourth quarter. Uh, then it was Berlin, 66 to 0, routing of Kyle, uh, the Kyle uh, Baltic Hurricanes. And you can watch it, YouTube access. We have the link right there. Um, and so, uh, you know, Berlin just dominant all, all game. Uh, Curl, uh, Kill Baltic um, just didn't have an answer on both sides of the ball. So they're struggling already in the season. Then Erlinger, uh, Rebels, six. They fall to Stuttgart, 17 to six. Then uh, we'll have this weekend coming up here. And I mean, look at the schedule that's coming up here. So let's see here, 17th, 18th. Okay, here we go. So July 1st, uh, we're looking at a really good clash. It will be uh, Munich Cowboys taking on Stuttgart Scorpions. And then it will be the Berlin Cobras taking on the Hamburg Amazon. And those teams are, let's see here, uh, Munich 2-2, two and two, Stuttgart 4-0, Berlin 2-0, and, oh, and Hamburg 2-0. and oh. So that's uh, going to be an interesting undefeated uh, matchup of undefeated there. And then Erlingen 2-2 two and two, will take on the uh, winless Starland squad. And so uh, the Starland Hurricanes as well. So that's on July 1st. And then uh, there is also DBL 2 action. Uh, Cologne Falconets taking on Bochum Miners. You got the uh, Sullingen versus Mulham Shamrocks. You got Rodu Pioneers taking on Rangenberg Phoenix. The Odenberg Knights will be taking on the Lindendal Venom. Uh, and then on the eight, uh, um, I'm sorry, the uh, yeah, July 2nd, it's going to be DBL2 right there. So DBL1 uh, action, Ellinger Rebels take on Starling Hurricanes. Berlin Cobras against Hamburg Amazons. And the Munich Cowboys will be taking on the Stuttgart Scorpions. So, Really good uh, matchups there as well. So the standings uh, so far in DBL um, DBL one in the German league, the Cobras are in um, first place in the north, two and zero undefeated against Hamburg, two and zero undefeated. So it's a battle uh, in the standings for the north in the Bundesliga league north. So these two teams will cross this coming weekend, our July first, and then we'll take on that. Um, call Call Baltic Hurricanes, like I said, are undefeated. I mean, a winless 0-4 in that in that North Division. In the South Division, uh, Stuttgart's 4-0, and then Ellinger's 2-2, uh, two and two, Munich 2-2, two and two, and then Star, uh, Starline Hurricanes are 0-4. So uh, really good matchups here. So uh, the 4-0 Stuttgart uh, Scorpions, which very impressive last year, top team in the league. So now they're going to be uh, going up against Munich. Munich's kind of, you know, on a good high at this point after a uh, 54 to 36 uh, win over Sarlon. And then you got Berlin coming off that 66 to zero win, going up against Hamburg. And let me see, Hamburg was double check here for you. Hamburg back on 6-3, if I'm correct. Here we go, Hamburg, Hamburg. Uh, I just want to just, yeah, there you go. So Hamburg coming off a uh, 40 to 18, uh, thrashing of Kilbotic uh, Hurricanes there as, as well. That was back on uh, 6-3. And then they haven't played it. I don't think they've played a game since before that. I think they played the game before that. But um, So it's basically 2-0 against 2-0. So that will be the matchup, the key matchup in Germany at this point. So it's going to be interesting to see how that fares up at, at this point as well. So interesting to see that. Um, so let's see here, let's see here. All right, um, let's see here. We'll see if I can, there we go. And we'll see, we'll see it going on. So uh, 
Chris, uh, Chris Sackle will be coming in here in a minute here, and we're going to dive into everything that's happening in the everything that's happening in the Utah Girls uh, Football League, plus the excitement of the changes for the high school uh, girls in terms of tackle in high school. So let's bring in into the Zazzle huddle. Don't forget to go to zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties, and you get uh, 15% off. Use Zazzle Thanks Worldwide Shipping. If you're in the U.S., you get Zazzle Black. 12 months free shipping. So don't forget to go to the No Joke Football Shop at Zazzle.com for Sasquatch and Beauties. All right, let's bring in the talented Chris Sacco, co-founder of the Utah Girls Football League. Chris, thanks for coming in. Really appreciate it making the time. You're welcome. I'm excited. All right, Chris, we haven't talked to you in a while, and it's been a whirlwind uh, 12 months. Um, so after this COVID thing, uh, it's like you guys haven't missed a beat, but uh, tell us a little bit about the 2023 season and the excitement. For it, it, uh, The season looked like it was awesome. And uh, thanks to, uh, Sh- uh, I think it's uh, Shutterskunk, right, who was keeping tabs and yes. uh, taking photos of everything. It was awesome. She did a phenomenal job. She She's really, really talented. I'm, it was nice to see her work, and I feel like she's going to continue to grow it for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, to showcase some of the talent, that was awesome. And you saw some of the still photos, uh, I mean, a lot of the, uh, you know, for a lot of the teams, but those are all also memories, right? I mean, if you think about it, just a lot of memories for the yes. girls, too. Yeah, especially with our plans coming up with our league, you know, those photos are something we'll be able to hold on to forever, along with all the other history. Tell us a little bit about uh, the, the bombshell news that came about. We we couldn't get you in sooner. I was going to try to get you. I was trying to get you in, um, you know, before right after the announcement. But I was already booked with other guests. But tell us a little bit about this, how this came about, and how you guys are elevating to that um, high school tackle level. Yeah. So we decided to join in with the Ute Conference. That's our uh, youth men's program here in Utah and it's been around for years and they're just they're awesome and the girls are going to be able to have a season this fall so I, I, in a few short weeks they're going to start that we've already we already have people register registering for it um, and we're just going to start with the junior high division and then after that not next season the season after all basically all of our league is going to transfer into the Ute conference. So Utah girls tackle football, we're going to have one more season and then that's it. So, and this will be, how does that work? How does that work structurally for you guys in terms of like being part of that? Is that, you know, funding wise, in other words, what I mean? Well, I, I believe it's just pretty much the same. Like the, Pretty much, the girls are going to register through the Ute Conference, and they'll just pay the registration fee that they charge, just like they were to come into our league. And then I believe the Ute Conference is going to provide equipment just like they do with the boys. So okay. cost difference, I don't think it's going to be that much. The Ute Conference, they're going to model basically everything we have done, and I believe they're going to keep the price very similar. What's your so, thoughts on it? I mean, initially, well, well, did you, you know, great, this is a good move? Or was it something that you guys I was really worked nervous. hard at? Trying to... I was, 
I was really nervous at first just because um, just, I was concerned because they're, you know, it's a whole different board. It's a whole different conference. And But I know the boys had, have had a good experience with them, and they've been around for years. So I feel like this is going to be a good move because next season for the Utah Girls Tackle, next spring that will be season number 10. And I just feel like if everybody goes over to the Ute Conference and plays around the same time the boys do, it's just going to grow our league. It's, or it's just going to grow girls football in general. Because I don't think our league is going to grow any bigger without that, the Ute Conference. Because they're all over Utah. They're in different, uh, different cities. It'll just open up more doors. Also, it will help with the high school. Um, it'll our chances of the girls getting into the high schools and playing in the high schools are a, a lot bigger if they join in with the youth conference. Does that make Chris, sense? Chris, do you want to clarify? Do we want to clarify? You guys have never been in competition, you know, to be like the boys, right? You've always been in this in the situation where you wanted the opportunity for the girls to get the same, same, you know, uh, recognition or same type of funding, right, that the boys would get yes. with their only. Yes. Yep. Exactly. And I think that, that this will just show that. Like, it's just going to be good yeah. because once those girls are in ninth grade, they can go play in their high schools. Just like the boys, they get to move up into the high school. So mm-hmm. that that's like a lot of equality. And the girls still get to play on their own teams. Like, it's not like they're going to be – playing with the boys. They're just going to be basically playing side by side and they'll have their own games. I think it's going to be awesome. It's exciting, but Chris, interest, you know. interest wise, interest wise is, have you seen that level of interest beyond your little, you know, a uh, world that you guys created in the last 10 years? Well, when we like did the announcements, when we did the announcements, a bunch of parents commented on the Facebook, and then, of course, I got some text messages, and they just kept saying, congratulations, it's about time, it's about time we stepped it up. You guys stepped it up. Good job. Like, it was stuff like that. Like, so it's, it mm-hmm. was more excitement. Like, this is a step up. Like, this, I mean, if you think about it, the University of Utah is, like, it's huge with football. So, I mean, we're going, we have youth and then high mm-hmm. school and then hopefully one day college. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a and step it's, up. And it's kind of like an equal level playing field now because it makes sense, right? Because you had your own little bubble. Now, to your point, the high schools will have the incorporated girls plans just like they would do girls lacrosse or girls soccer, right? All the other programs that they incorporated. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. I think it's just going to show <laughs> the high schools and the board of, from the schools, like, hey, look, this is this is possible. Because those girls have to go somewhere. Like, how else are we going to grow the sport <laughs> for girls? Well, the only thing I'm saying is, you know, you got field hockey for girls. You got uh, lacrosse for girls. I mean, I'm like, I'm out here in California, and there's funding for these other sports, but somehow there's not funding for American football. You know what I mean? It seems weird. We can we can help, you know, lacrosse and field hockey and all of a sudden when it comes to like American football, everybody's like, Okay, it's like I it's I but I don't see any difference in cost, right? Because if you're playing lacrosse, you're still padded. You still gotta have a helmet, right? You're still incorporating yep. shield guards and you got everything else, mouth guards and 
right? And there's just a, there's similar things to it. It's just the context probably different, right? Because you're not like, yeah, you know, going at it every time. As an example, it's more open space, in other words. Exactly. Yep, it's exciting. I think that it's going to be a huge success, and my hope is other states, their programs that they have for their boys' football will do the same thing. Do you Actually, think it'll be more prominent that... in Florida and California in, in terms of the bigger states? You know, like you guys are doing it there. If it's successful there, more than likely it's going to be one of those big states, you know, like the Texas and the Floridas and the Californias as an example. Honestly, like right now there's a guy in uh, southern Utah, and he his program – um, that he has, he wants to do the same thing, and then also Las Vegas. So I honestly think okay. it might go that direction, and then into California, and then Texas, and then hopefully Florida. The problem is because I know a lot of people in black football—they're all very prominent in the states. Yeah, California, Texas, Oregon too. Oregon—they've showed some interest. Now. Chris, what what has been the uh, the excitement for the girls? Have you dived into it? The announcement came out. I mean, what kind of feedback are you getting from the actual, you know, uh, talent that's going to go to another level, in other words, or play uh, in their actual alma mater, you know what I mean, or their actual school district? I feel like it's a positive outcome. The girls are like, oh, my gosh, can we sign up? Um, so the girls that are in junior high, because this, this fall they're running just the junior high division, so it's going to be mm-hmm. uh, seventh through ninth grade, or seventh through I think ninth grade, and then sixth graders can join. Um, but the elementary, they were like, "When can we do it?" So I feel like they were all just excited. If anything, they are. Some are a little bit like, "Oh, we love the Utah girls tackle football league. I hope the bond is the same." So the social part of it, I feel like they're a little bit nervous about that, like that it's not going to be the same energy um, because our league is so – it's like they create so many friendships. and. But yeah. I feel like it's going to be pretty similar. And we're going to be right there. Like I know this fall we're going to – a lot of the coaches from our league are going to go over and coach the girls. So I think mm-hmm. once the parents and the girls see that – they'll feel more comfortable about it. I think they just don't want to lose that pixie dust that the, our league puts off of, you know. I think that's the only thing Yeah, and, you know, you also, have a, about. you also have, like, a traveling team mentality, right, with your league. It's kind of like a, you know, how you bond with travel teams where, like, it's just the one, yes. you know, you're so comfortable with that travel mentality that – so it's like, it's like a little uh, tight nucleus, right, for you guys to kind of let go and yes. – trying to go into this unknown, right? Yep. Yep, exactly. They have, I think, yeah, it's, like you said, it's, it's an unknown thing that they're a little bit nervous about, but it's a good nervous. And like I said, how else are we going to grow it? I mean, we can continue to have Utah Girls Tackle Football League, but it's going to stay the same, and we – we want more competition. We want to be able to – the girls want to be able to play um, in different locations and then also in, in the high schools. Now, Chris, so, 
what was what's your reaction so far in terms of like the leadership at that conference and you know what what's your part, what's your role in it in other words to just okay are you providing feedback console i mean what's the role between you and other other people that are that helped you out with utah in terms of growing the league and are you guys going to be there like you know just to mitigate things and stuff like that yeah as board members we're going to do our best to like at least guide them um and we've already talked to them like how we want to keep they you know if they would we asked them if they could keep it pretty similar to how we ran the league um and they were 100 percent like open to it like there wasn't any hesitation they want to keep it very similar and also our coaches to be able to go, go over and coach because our coaches they all got attached to their coaches and I think that that's been a big thing, you know, and their friends, like, staying on the same teams almost. So, yeah, yeah the U Conference, they're, they're, I mean, we're just, they want our help. They're not going to be like, I don't think it's a competition thing. They're not going to be like, well, we run things this way and this is the only way. It's, they're open to our um, our feedback. It's kind of like a separate division anyways, right? Because it's like any other sport. I mean, the, the boys' soccer soccer division isn't run the same as the girls, right? Because there's, there's obviously intangibles with gender, and there's intangibles with, you know, how things are, are run, right, and how to approach things with the coaches. Yeah. And, you know, not, not that we want to, like, separate either one, but there is different approaches, right, to your point, on how to, how to handle a girls' you know, tackle football team versus a, a boys' tackle football team, as an example. Yeah, because I noticed that with lacrosse, there's a lot of difference. That's pretty, yep. I feel like it's going to be the same thing with football. And mm-hmm. I honestly, the number one thing is safety, and I think that's the reason why they do it the way they do. I don't think there's yeah. going to be any problems. Um, I don't. I know in our league right now, we just start in the middle of the field. Like, we don't do kickoff and stuff like that. Um, special teams. I forgot to ask Brent Gordon if they're going to do that in the Ute Conference. I don't think this year they're going to. I think they're going to keep it identical to what we did. And then eventually, I'm thinking eventually they're going to do that. I think he said for the upper age groups like high school, I'm assuming they're going to do golf and kick return teams and stuff. That, well, that makes more sense for safety purposes because they're older more and a little bit more wiser to educate, right? We're in junior high. Yeah. That could be more of a detriment. Well, even the youth conference, they like how we – they love how we do it with the girls and for the, for the younger ages. And I'm thinking they may actually mimic that with the boys eventually for safety yeah. purposes. They just think it's a brilliant idea. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't and there's alterations like based on alterations based on those factors, like yours mentioning, right? Because you got to take all those things into account too. So. Exactly. Yep, and it's it's such a good, it's just a good thing we're doing here. And again, like, and I've you've interviewed, I've I've been on here before and starting to pick up on it. Well, we had Indiana, and then it, felt, it didn't, fall, didn't fall through. And then there was somebody in South Carolina. And so there's been other states with interests. Uh, I think Atlanta, Georgia. Um, 
but nothing nothing to your level. You know what I mean? Nothing to your guys' scale and yeah, and yeah, standards. They, they launched a couple seasons, but then something happened. I don't know exactly what, but I couldn't even find the guy that ran it before. I don't know if he's even involved anymore. So I would be honestly open to going and mentoring other states. Yeah. Like, like I said, I California, just have to Florida, have primary, and program. I know for sure Texas would what be your, your way in because, you know, Texas has the, that interest, right? It's just a matter of introducing the sport, you know, and where else can you want to introduce it to? But Texas, right? The football heaven, basically. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's the thing. I feel like if I just reach out to the whoever's running their programs and I even get – my my board involved and then see if I can even get the youth conference board involved like just for even if they just give some sort of like mentorship or feedback to them like hey mm-hmm. you should try this this is how we're doing it I feel like they can launch a program easily yeah yeah because of the num- the people that reach out to us and they're like oh oh we're in this state I really wish I could play especially on like TikTok and you know, Facebook and Instagram, like they're constantly reaching out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is an interest, right? It's like, there's no, there's not, there's no doubt anymore. You know, girls do want no, to play not. American football. That's just, there's no doubt, you know, because yeah. uh, the interest is there. Yeah. And we had a lot of girls play on the Falcons this year, which was pretty cool. That's what I was going to ask you about. Sarah goes down and then we get, who is this Laura, right? Laura girl. And then we're like so Laura uh, alumni Gates, out of the Utah Girls. Yeah, Laura Gates, she is, she's been with our league since day one. Her dad is actually the yeah. president of our league. And yep. Sean, he's really cool. Um, and she just rocked it. Like, And then she went on to the Falcons, and she's tearing it up. And it looks like she's going to the um, – it's the what is it the All American USA team or whatever? What are, what are they called? The All Pro. I don't know why I'm having a blank. The All Pro game. Yeah, she's going to that, and then she's going to serve a mission, like I think the day after. Wow. So. Yeah. Wow. How proud are you, Chris? Yeah. We're gonna have some some infl, uh, what, infiltration into the WNFC, even if it's the Utah Falcons. That's uh, to see them go to the next level, which is what everybody, you know, women's tackle football in terms of the pro uh, pro uh, level. I know. I think that it's just, it's neat to see. And it seems like the girls had a good experience on the Falcons too. I know Laura and there's a few other girls on there. And they had, they were happy they get, they got to continue to play after they graduated from high school. Yeah. I mean, it, it would only be fitting to, for them to get paid to play. Hopefully that'll mature for them, right? It didn't mature for others so far. but Yeah, and honestly, like, you know, I'm pretty in tune. Like, I, my vision is seeing the high schools happen and then college. Yeah. With these teams going into, you know, being able to play. Because they are college level. Like, it's amazing. They shouldn't have to no, pay you know, to for play. Sure. For sure. Yeah, no, and... And if you think about it, maybe the Midwest Conference will will take it into account, right? Or maybe one of the major 
not the, you know maybe not the SEC but or the ACC but maybe it's going to be you know the Big Ten or the Big Twelve or maybe it's going to be the the Midwest Conference right the Mountain Conference somebody's going to yeah. have interest into it and maybe somebody will roll it out like you said with just like the Youth Conference maybe once you set a uh, president for the standard and how things could execute it, it, it does it might go to the college level in that sense. I agree. I mean, it has to. <laughs> we have to. Like you said, there's yeah. no, you know, there's an, everybody wants to play football. The girls want to play now. Like, it's just, yeah. they always have, but now it's out there breaking the gender barriers all around. It's, it's beautiful. No, and, and it's, it's a beautiful it's great thing. To see, it's great to see the, the, you know, the evolution of your league, and now we're getting it to this, you know, to another level, right? Which is now this is this is bigger than anything else that we that you would have thought of in year one, right? Like basically the league created, and now we get now we have an actual conference with some backing and some structure and some real you know pull with it, right? Because they've they've done it so long and that they have standards and they have guidelines and they have all that other stuff that you normally would have to deal with. Now it's kind of like you know the girls have to just participate into that level. I know, and the fact that next season will be season ten. Like I'm getting. Yeah, that's, that's why I wanted to bring you on. How do you reflect on that? Uh, like, how, have you sat I down just, with wine and cheese and go, "This is you know, <laughs> we're at ten years later." When I uh, pulled up to the field, the last I don't know what game it was, but there was all those parents in the parking lot full, like. I swear we had like over a thousand people and I, and I just sent, I sent the picture to Brent. My girlfriend made me take the picture and I said, look what we built. Look what we've done. And and that's when it really hit me. Like it hits me every yeah. single year, but. Um, that's when it really hit me. Chris, do you understand what you've done? Do you like reflect on it in terms of like you get feedback from other players like as they grow? Like you've seen them since, like you said, they're like your babies in a lot of ways. And it's like separate. Yeah, you're like a parent in a lot of ways with a bunch of minions, right? And they go from one age group to the next, and then all of a sudden there's womanhood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's amazing. To, to to have um, you be I, a, I think a, a I part of their moment, you know what I mean? To be part of their yeah. moment is it's incredible. That's what I'm saying to you. It's like you're, you're a little piece, right, of you is in every incremental stage of their life, which is awesome. Yes, it is. It's. I cry all the time. Actually, I, I swear. I don't. I'm, I don't know. If, I know the parents are very proud of their daughters too. And I think that's what makes me tear up a lot. I think, I think you, you know, if we, we've sat down a couple of times, uh, you've never emotionally, as I say, broken down, but at the same time, you know, 10 years later, I mean, we have to give you credit, uh, Brent credit, but overall, you know, the people that actually launched this, that believed in it, right. Uh, the parents see all that value that you guys brought to the attention and not including the, the labor hours, right? Man hours, labor hours, all the other stuff that are, that include volunteering basically. Yeah. The, we couldn't have done it without the parents, the referees, our photographer, yep. like 
even Sean and his family, you know, um, there's no way that, like, it just wouldn't run without our, you know, our tight group the way it has. And that's why I was concerned about switching over to the Ute Conference. But when they reassured us, like, hey, we're going to mimic what you guys are doing. And I know the guys have a good experience with the the Ute Conference. So it'll be okay. I think that was just, you know, that pixie dust, that's what I call it. I hope it stays, which I feel like it will. The more competition, yeah. of course, you get drama here and there. But what else is new? I think it's just gonna. I think it's just gonna continue to stay, and I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna keep reaching out to these other states. As a matter of fact, I got a nice camper that I can, like a travel camper that I can take to state to state if I have to. <laughs> like we're Look I'm at you. to do that because Venture I really in America. Want seriously that's I mean besides the land property that we just got for my business like that's my next step is I I don't care if I have to travel out to different places to go talk to their programs because that's all it's going to take but it's fun right it's fun yeah it's not going to be laboring for you because it's fun because you're like you're going into like you said place something down that maybe will catch fire and right and rises again yeah, because they just need that motivation. I just need to go to the people's board and just be like, hey, you know, are, are you guys interested in starting a girls' program? And I, I feel like they would be on board with it. No, I feel too. I mean, that's why, I'm, that's why I mentioned California, for example. You know, uh, they got the flag program going, right? Uh, they're starting to do it, you know, roll it out statewide. You got Florida that's already had some established program. It's just a matter of accepting tackle because most of them already accept flag, you know what I mean? So it's just a matter of accepting tackle. And it might not be the whole state, but it could be just a certain districts, right, are willing to do it, and you just need to start in one district and do an annual event type mentality, and hopefully that will catch, like you said, momentum. Exactly. It just takes that start. And I do, I, I feel like... Um, Texas, they they got a big program in California. Those two, I I do believe those two states might be the first, possibly Las Vegas too, because the one guy yeah. that I talked to, um, he's pretty motivated in getting a season going with his boys program. And you do have resources that I'm pretty sure you're aware of. You got resources. You got. The WNFC, the WFA in Los Angeles. You got the WNFC, WFA in Texas, right? You got resources. So if you kind of like, you know, communicate with the the leadership in, in both leagues, I'm pretty sure they, you know, they they can offer avenues and, and networking and contacts for for doing that program. And you know, it would only benefit them anyways, you know, to ensure that girls tackle football grows because that's that kind of like a feeder system for both of them. Yes, I know, and I I feel like if some of the their board members reach out to other people, it would definitely grow, and it would grow their teams well, too. I, yeah, no, and and so, Chris, I wanted to bring you on because this was like big news, but also it's very important because it is an elevation 
to just not the game, not the Utah Girls Football League, but it is an elevation to, you know, girls tackle football, right, at another stage and level where if this works and this conference does do its job, it's going to be a big model for other conferences that want to maybe take into account that, that type of program. Yes, 100%. I feel like, I feel like it's going to just continue to succeed because they always say after the, if you have a business or a nonprofit and you can make it through five years, then you're good. (laughs) No, this is good. I mean, and you got Sam doing, uh, I think Sam's doing the UA next football, right? And you got a couple of WFC players that are participating in that camp too, and those camps as well. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of networking and resources available to where you you will you'll get supported, right? Or Brent as well, to where it it, it will launch to a, uh, the bigger states. Like I said, if the bigger states accept it, like California, like you said, Nevada, or even Texas or Florida, then the other the other states will follow at some point. You know, the New Yorks, uh, New England, that kind of deal, that area out there as well. Um, even the even like, uh, like you said, will. out the northwest. I feel like they will, and I feel like, because I keep thinking, do I have to, like, provide some sort of, I don't know, program to that people can follow or just go out and mentor them? You know, I've, I've written those questions down, like, do I build a whole thing for that? But I feel like if I just go out and motivate and mentor and get a few people to do the same, like, and those women that have the team's like the Falcons, I bet they would be percent involved in it. And oh yeah, for sure. The other. Uh, that's what I'm saying. You have networking. You have networking, uh, you know, resources. In other words, right? You got you got the pro teams that you can literally network with, and you got you already have some players in uh, coaching in some high schools, boys boys teams. So it wouldn't be that big of a deal for those female coaches to jump from the boys' coaching environment to creating a girls' coaching environment, and especially if the, if the uh, high schools are paying them, too, to create that program. So it just, it, you know, it, it'll migrate that way, in other words. Yeah. So exactly. I, uh, did I, did we go into anything that I haven't mentioned or something that you need to disclose to us or let us know that we didn't talk about? Um. No, I feel like we mentioned everything. Um, I do, like, once everything does switch over, I want this, like, regardless, I just want the Utah Girls Tackle Football League to, I mean, it's always going to go down in history, but I don't know. I, I, I know that we've been mentioned in some books and stuff, but I, I definitely want to put some sort of thing together. And I think Brent's on board with that too. I think it would be nice to Especially have a book, we, like we have the other yeah, books in like women's soccer Something. Yeah, a book would be nice yeah. because that's that would be kind of like the story, right? The story, as you want to call it, the ups and downs. Yeah, because I mean, we have like, we have like, like media. We got we have the that documentary that I was involved in. Um, Sam's been involved in a lot of stuff. Like we, we just have so much history, and I want to put it all together in one book. 
<laughs> yeah. So it, you know, our kids can read it. And it, and it like, is. Oh my gosh. It is a remarkable. It, it is remarkable how uh, everything you know got to this level, um, and also how you guys together, you know, came in and created this little bubble, right? You want to call it a bubble, and then uh, because it was created in that sense, a, a closing bubble, but it actually excited every everybody else, and now we have more impact. It went from that to an impactful thing, you know. I uh, guess. Well, I'm very yeah, proud of you. I'm uh, very proud of Brent, and uh, obviously Sam. We've had Sam on here a couple, uh, several, several times, and uh, I think, uh, you know, you guys have done a tremendous job. You know, you guys should applaud yourselves, and and also at the same time, you know, you guys are uh, at the forefront of uh, many dreams. And like you said, this this is just a starting point. It's just like a spark, because at some point, to your point. Uh, some of these girls are going to go into college, and maybe they will. They will. Be, they will be tackle football in college, and then eventually it's going to be no different than, you know, the NCAA level, and then you jump into the NFL, and hopefully, you know, one of these leagues, the WNFC or the WFA, become that NFL. I agree. I, I think that, that that's what my vision is. That's what I see, and I'm always right when it comes to like predicting like numbers. I'm like, this season we're going to have this many girls. This season. And it's always, like, dead on. So I'm like, okay, this vision better be correct. <laughs> Chris, is it dead on scary or is it dead on, oh, yeah, this is this is cool? <laughs> you know, dead on scary and cool all at the same time. It's like a good <laughs> adrenaline excitement. Just like, yeah, honestly, yeah. I get so nervous just like I'm about to play a football game. Every time those girls wow. step on the field, I feel like I'm, like, I don't know if it's reliving it or just it's like I get the same butterflies. I get nervous. Um, it's really intense, but I think that's just part of the growth. Yeah, no, no, exactly. I mean, and I, like I said, we I, I wanted to bring you on here because this is huge news, and at the same time to to thank you, Brett and Sam, and everybody involved. You know, the coaches, the volunteers, the parents. Uh, you know, it took a village, as they say, right? to get it to the youth conference level. So shout, shout out to all of you guys. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see how this goes, and I'm sure you'll talk to me again because I'll, I'll be like, guess what? We just we just got this, this state and this state, and, you know. And then with the youth conference, no, I would I like mean, to share the experience. Hopefully I'll be around, Chris, to see this the, the next level, the college level, as you said. Because you know God, God oh, only wow. knows what will happen. But hopefully, we'll you know we'll be around to that stage where the next stage is, and and it's gonna be rewarding because that's what we wanted everybody to be, and the girls are deserve that, and also you know the sport deserves that in terms of the youth uh, tackle league mentality. Yes, it does for sure. Like it's about time. Oh yeah. All right, Chris. Thank you for coming in. I know you're you know you're busy, busy, and uh, looking forward to catching up with you in the future as to how this uh, the conference once it it's going to be this fall right so this fall starts off and yeah. then you said there's an off season and then we'll go back to a full season in in what summertime yeah in the spring we'll have our regular Utah girls tackle football season and then after that hopefully all everybody will transfer over to the youth conference i feel like they will cuz of the excitement Awesome. So we're going to keep tabs. 
uh, Utah Girls Football League on Facebook. Uh, U, U, uh, what is it? Yeah, Utah League, UTGFL, uh, I believe, on Twitter, right? Yeah. And what's the other handle on? Uh, you have it. You have it on TikTok too, right? Yeah, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Just you can Google us. Okay, perfect. All right, Chris, thank you for coming in. Appreciate it. Safe travels. I uh, hope you're uh, enjoying your new uh, environment there with your new land and, you know, work, 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 as I say, to create some cool stuff. And then uh, eventually we'll hopefully we'll see you on the travel, uh, the RV, as you said. Yeah, that's going to happen. I know it. Cause I'm like, well, after we build our house, then what are we going to do with this nice RV? And my girlfriend's like, we're going to take it and you can, you're going to go help start those other leagues for the girls. <laughs> Well, so. you know what? Uh, as uh, as the brain would say, Chris, we're gonna go take over the world, Pinky. That's what you're heading. <laughs> yep, exactly. I'm like, it needs to happen. Tackle football for girls. <laughs> awesome. All right. Have a great night. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, and then we'll t- touch base hopefully in the future here, and uh, hopefully next season too, because it'll be one of those interesting seasons uh, after the season ends in spring. It's a uh, full blown, so we might catch up then and see how that's going. But I appreciate you making the time. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. And I appreciate you guys and everything you do for women's and girls football, getting our names out there. I appreciate it. No problem. Have a great evening. Safe travels. Uh, Get some rest. Uh, Enjoy the weekend. You too. All right, guys. That was uh, Chris Sacco, uh, co-founder of the Utah Girls Football League. They just – we were – trying to get her on earlier when the news broke out that they're going to the youth conference uh, this fall. It'll start off. And then the next spring, the last season of the Utah Girls Football League is going to happen. And then the next fall after that, it's going to be a full-blown youths uh, conference. So um, it's been very, very exciting times for youth uh, tackle football in terms of the girls' side of things. And then actually getting girls tackle football teams in terms of high school between boys and girls, just like you do in, you know, in soccer or basketball, just like you do in lacrosse or field, I mean, uh, lacrosse and other sports. So let's bring in the Oracle of women's soccer football. That is Mark Simone, the backseat coach. Uh, Mark, uh, it's pretty cool, don't you think? Go to the youth conference. Now they, you got a little bit more support, more pull statewide. Uh, wow. This is a, you know, you got to applaud them for, kicking it off a couple of 10 years ago. And now all of a sudden we're penetrating a, uh, a big time, you know, college conference. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, it, it's been a long time in the making and um, I th- we all really have to salute uh, just the, the fortitude of the people that started the league. Um, I can understand that, you know, when certainly when they started, they, probably had no idea as to like how um, wide an impact that the, just the mere existence of that league would have. But the, it's really the fact that it, the league has like persevered and grown and did not get taken down by financial troubles or um, just, you know, all the things that might end a league like that. And it was so important, right? Because if you're the type of person who wants to have tackle football, like in high school, for example, like 
if the Utah girls tackle football league, you know, didn't, you know, didn't keep succeeding, we wouldn't be at this point right now. We wouldn't, we, it just, it wouldn't be possible to even talk about it right now. Right. Say if that league had folded after a couple of three years, there's no way that we'd be seeing this sort of push in states like, uh, you know, California and Texas, as they mentioned, uh, we, I don't think we'd be seeing flag football um, even as, as widely accepted as, as it is now for girls. So um, it's, it's really remarkable what they've done and maybe they're too close up to, you know, the work that they're doing to see that how wide the scope is, but it's huge. It's enormous. And we were just talking about it. She's excited because she's thinking once uh, that happens specifically in Utah, you know, you're going to get to Texas or California, but like my point is you already have the Tammy Moores, right? Coaching in the boys high school realms, right? Then NG Martin mm-hmm. were coaching in the boys high school realms, right? So there's, Already, mm-hmm. girl, uh, women's tackle football players coaching in coaching boys at the high school level. So imagine, mm-hmm. you know, that high school saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna, you know, equal out by having a girls tackle football league." Those coaches already have coaching experience, so they just kind of slide into, you know, coaching the girls side, and they've they've already had the experience playing in the semi pros. In other words, so yeah, it's it's it should. In other words, it's like a fire starter. In other words, it's gonna flame it up. You know. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it. Um, there's gonna be there's gonna be room for, you know, a lot of former players uh, to coach and be involved in what is an industry. Okay, um, let's be real. You know, high school football isn't just, you know, some kind of activity. All right, it's um it's an industry. I mean, there's a lot of um, mechanics in it, and it requires uh, people to be very involved to make it successful. So, um, you know, it, that'll be no different for girls football. Yeah, and, and the beauty of it is um, all this all this progress, you know, the Gordons have done, Chris has done, plus, like she mentioned, you know, it's been coaches and volunteers and parents. And so it's it's, it's taken a village 10 years later to – you know, to, to get this league or this program into a, uh, you know, a, a big conference like the youth conference. So it's a, it's a, you right. got to applaud them. Absolutely. They, they created a blueprint for others to, to follow. And um, that's a huge thing. Yeah. It's, it's big time. Um, let me see here. Where do we want to start, Mark? Do we want to start let's see here? Let's bring in Terry. Coach Terry Lister, and if you guys haven't, if you guys haven't dived into Terry's podcast, uh, Quincy Davis, St. Louis Slam coach, with some good insights, and uh, so you catch, uh, I believe it's episode 54, and uh, TL podcast, and that's at the hub, so you get the click right there and uh, get the interview right there with uh, Quincy Davis, right, uh, TL? You got it. Yep, he's a phenomenal coach and person. I had a, it was a pleasure interviewing him. And so you are correct. TL talks on YouTube and it is episode 54. I appreciate the uh, shout out. No, we got to get, we got to do the plug-in because uh, coach Quincy's <laughs> awesome. Carrie, <laughs> you're awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, I do what I can. 
All right. Um, that gym work's paying off for you. So you're looking handsome. That's all I got to say. All right. Um, Mark, um, I was, I was, I did go to the Seven Eleven this weekend, this past Sunday. So I did get to experience the Slurpee that Brian Sweeney does. And so I am kind of excited. Uh, I do have one in my freezer right now. That will be the entertainment Slurpee for me on June 23rd. Um, the WNFC nine cup. So um, let's let's dive in, let's dive into here. Um, Mary Woodward. I did send a message to her and says, "Can you please shock the world?" And she said, "We're going to do our best." That was the message. So I'm pretty sure she's ready. Yeah, I mean, as far as um, uh, Mississippi's defense goes, I mean, definitely. Uh, you know, I personally really love their uh, their defensive backs and their their linebackers. I think they're pretty strong there, and um, you know they're going to get they're going to get a workout. <laughs> so uh, if if they do shock the world, uh, you know the the likes of um, of Woodward and others are, are going to have to be um, in there getting. Uh, breaking up passes and maybe getting turnovers. So um, bring it, you know. <laughs> they really have no choice. It's, it, it'll be a hard game to win um, if they, they can't get a turnover too. Ter- Terry, tell us a little bit about the offensive lines challenge for Mississippi here. Uh, Texas Elite, big, big people on the front line there. Um, I think Rashawn knows what they're all about, but do you feel like this uh, Panther offensive line's going to contain and then give her time? So the short answer is yes. Um, Mississippi has a good team overall, and part of that good team is a good offensive line. So Texas is very good. They don't have many weaknesses. Um their defensive line is good, you know, across the board. They have, you know, Guidry uh, blitzing off the edge. Obviously, OG, the legend at defensive end and um, solid defensive tackles. And the other defensive end is good as well. So, no weaknesses really. But um, as far as them combating, you know, Mississippi's O-line versus them, I think that they'll do a good job. Um, of course, there's no perfect game. So, there will be times where blitzes get through and, and Gore gets hit. The question is, and this is what I've been talking to with um, some people in WNFC this week, is queen of a game can Mississippi play? Because um, there's been a couple games this year where Mississippi has turned the ball over three or four times. Um, yep. And they can't do that yep. versus Texas and win. And so that's going to be a huge storyline um, about uh, if Mississippi can take care of the ball and not turn it over they have a really legitimate shot of being the first team to beat Texas, but that's easier said than done. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that Rashawn Gore has not turned the ball over in the playoffs thus far, which is very impressive through two games. And so hopefully she can keep that trend going on Sunday. Mark, if you're the Texas elite offense, you got to deal with Woodward, Bradford, Mallory, Edwards, Williams, Andrews, Jenkins. So I guess, you know, we, we normally say what Texas, you, you really don't mention any names because you know, they're all there, but is this, is this probably the, the best Texas will face 
uh, this you know this time around and knowing these these folks knowing that this is for all the marbles, how do you think this they're going to elevate their game even more? Uh, well, I mean they they'll have to. I, I will say that I think that this defense is um, probably the best that Dallas. I'm sorry, Texas uh, has faced this year. Um, they actually did square off in week one. And so that was a long time ago. And it's actually, it seems like quite befitting that, you know, this championship game is a rematch of, of a, um, a matchup from, from week one. Um, but, you know, a lot has happened. I think that defense has probably gelled quite a lot from that first, um, from that first loss that they took against Texas, which the score was 35 to 12. So, I mean, let's, let's look at that. It, Texas is, you know, they're averaging 39 points a game. Um, if you're Mississippi's defense, you cannot allow 39 points to get scored upon you. I don't think, I, I don't think that's going to do it. Um, you know, they have to get that point value down. I mean, I think if they're, you know, if they keep Texas in the, you know, in the twenties, they'll have they'll have a shot to win. I really can't see, I can't see Texas scoring more than thirty points and um, having Mississippi win. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking at. Uh, you know, and if you're Texas, you know, this is a good defense they're facing, but um, the fact that um, Texas has a balanced attack um, with, you know, rushing and passing. It was almost equal on the year, like just shy of 1,000 yards rushing on the year and just a little over 1,000 yards passing on the year, which means, you know, Missis- the Mississippi defense have to excel at painting what kind of play is, is coming at them. Right, so they're going to hit you with a run or hit you with a pass. We all know Brittany Bushman, quarterback for Texas, is accurate. She's an accurate passer, and she gets good protection from that offensive line. Um, has thrown 16 touchdowns, just three interceptions, so she doesn't make a lot of mistakes throwing the ball. So the defense uh, for Mississippi are going to have to find some way to force Bushman into some mistakes, maybe turn the ball over once. They they have to, you know, either they have to shut down either the passing game or the rushing game. If you know, if they can't do one of those things, um, I don't think they'll be able to hold back the floodgates of of, of points scored from this Texas offense. I agree. Good valid points. Like that, I, those are some of the things that I wrote down too. Um, Terry, if you're a Rashida Young, Regina Jackson, mm-hmm. and then Natalie Nix, you got a lot of pressure here to show out. Uh, yes and no. So obviously, playing in the championship is a lot of pressure. Um, playing against Texas, who has never lost, is pressure. But um, I feel like I know Rashida, Regina, and Nat pretty well. Um, as players and as people. So they're, I feel like Mississippi is uniquely qualified. <laughs> they're, uh, they're a nice mixture. They have an awesome coaching staff. They're one of the coaching staffs I was most impressed with this season. Um, and their athletes are just 
not only really good athletes, like really dynamic athletes, but also their mentalities are just really like competitive to the point where they are not going to like go into the game um, intimidated. I don't think when they play Texas and let me tell you firsthand knowledge that one of the keys of playing against Texas and possibly beating Texas is how you start the game and where you're at mentally. If you start the game, you know, intimidated or nervous um, and they're able to punch you in the mouth first, that's the first step of them winning the game. And so if Mississippi starts the game aggressive and those receivers you just mentioned ball out and they're, and they're not nervous, they're not scared, they're, not, they're just ready to compete and um, play a really good game, that'll be the first step for Mississippi to have a chance at, at winning the game. So I, I really do have a lot of confidence in those athletes athletically and mentally that they're ready to play Texas again. I think to your point, Terry, uh, the, the mental state has to be that because there's no other option, right? You're walking in, they're the champs. You got to beat them, but you got to, you got to set the tone. Otherwise they will set the tone and it's pretty much lights out if they set the tone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds simple, but it's, it really is like that self-explanatory. Like if you, start the game hesitant or you have a hard time getting going on offense, you know, um, that's what Texas needs. Texas needs you to play scared or play intimidated. Um, and then they can punch you in the mouth first and then eventually they'll start scoring. And if you can't match those touchdowns, it gets out of hand fast. So um, I think it is worth mentioning that there's been a couple games this year where Texas like had a close score at halftime. Um, the score was close versus Denver the score was close versus Mississippi, the first game of the year. And so since that has been the case in a couple of games, I think that it's not too far fetched to say that this first, first half of the championship will also be close. So then the question is, can you play a complete game and how do you do after halftime when, the, when, the, when you make co- coaching adjustments and can you, can you uh, make it close to the entire game and give yourself a chance to win? That'll be the big question. All right, Mark, can you get too much ego? Tara Thomas, as an example, lights out all season. She's probably one of the focal points for this season. Can you be too, on too much of a high and maybe crash in this game? I mean, that's always a possibility. But, I mean, the question is, you know, it, it's just about how you how you play and perform on the field and whether or not you're doing your job and whether or not you can – you know, keep your game simple and not let, you know, not take undue risks and all, all of those things. Um, for me, I don't, I don't really feel is a really a big factor in this game. Of course, you want to proceed with confidence. Every, every player does. And I think it's very important uh, to Terry's point that, you know, Mississippi comes out with confidence with aggression um, to, uh, and, and, you know, I don't, the, the first, the first couple of series are going to be very, very big. We don't know who's going to get the ball first. That's, I think a very big thing in this game and, you know, what the teams do with that first possession, um, you know, may very well set the tone for the entire game. Terry, are we, do we have to be worried about Satterwhite? who's been very impressive all season, or do we just go back to the focal point of Jackson and Landry? 
I mean, who do we like pinpoint to try to like disrupt this this offense basically? Yeah, um, I have narrowed down like if I was playing against Texas in the championship, I would focus on uh, Tammy Moore, the left guard. She's the best offensive lineman on Texas, in my opinion. She's a very, she's very good. She's very aggressive. When she pulls, she has bad intentions. Then as far as skill position players, you have Tara Thomas, who's a game-breaker at running back. Um, Brittany Satterwhite, who is a really shifty, good receiver that can make people miss. And then Maria Jackson, who's arguably the best receiver in the league, if not the nation. So um, those four players I would focus on personally. Um, that's not to discredit players like Liz Landry and Amanda Heilman. I mean, their whole team's good. They're, I mean, you know, Brittany Bushman's a Hall of Famer. Like, their whole offense is good, their whole team's good, and they're well coached. So all those players are good. But as far as game planning, I think if you focus on the four players I just mentioned and you're able to stop them and contain them and neutralize them, you have a great shot at winning the game. And that's what I mean. That's my point. It's like it's so, you know, to focus on what you got to take off a leg, in other words. That's what I'm saying. It's a whole body. <laughs> now we got to try to ch- chop off one leg. And hopefully that, yeah. you know, that's going to give you an advantage, right? Take you an advantage. Um, Mark, if you're Rashawn Gore, uh, we don't know what, you know, shoulder injury before that in the playoffs. Uh, West Plain still with that. We don't know if it's healed at this point. Um, if you're Texas, Mark, is that something you're going to, like, try to crush on her, you know what I mean, get through and throw her to the ground and try to tear down that shoulder, in, a, in other words? Well, I think they'd be thinking that they'd be wanting to do that regardless of any sort of possible injuries um, because, you know, Texas's defensive game plan probably centers on Gore. All right. She is, she is the center of their offensive game plan. You know, um, Mississippi um, doesn't have a balanced attack. They uh, rely on the pass. And therefore, they rely on their quarterback to make, to make big plays. Um, you know, they only rushed for – they didn't even rush for 500 yards uh, over the course of the season. And for, you know, most of those yards, that was actually Gore running the ball. ball. She had like 230 yards rushing. Um, and so the bulk of, of Mississippi's offense has been the pass. Um, they uh, – Gore is like – over 1,200 yards, almost 1,300 yards, which is by far the most in the league this year. So um, disrupting Gore's, uh, you know, game is is the defensive game plan um, for Texas. Uh, there's there's no two ways about it. If they, if, if they want to, if they can hit her, just deflect some balls, um, mm-hmm. get her to scramble, get those sacks. Uh, I, then it's it's probably going to be a win for for Dallas, right? If because because that's it, that's that's their offense right there. They've got a lot of other nice players, but the ball always goes through the quarterback's hands. Mm-hmm. Terry, um, if you're if that scenario would happen, Gore gets mm-hmm. you know, taken out. You got Regina's got to step in, right? Is is she going to be confident enough to step in? And then will Sheriff and Lacey and Bassett, they have to step up their game if that would happen. I mean, they would have to play a high-level game. 
to complement Jackson as an example, not including Young and Knicks, but you would have to have some other complementary receivers to make up some of that, uh, you know, situation because uh, Jackson also can run. Even if she's at, in, in the pocket like Gore, she's able to spread the ball and, and run. But, you know, who's going to take the role of uh, a Regina Jackson? Will it be Sheriff or Lacey or, ba- or Bassett if that would happen? Yeah, there's two two things. So the first thing is um, what Mark was just talking about. I think it's, it's it would be wise to take a trip down memory lane because they played each other in week one. So um, since I watched that game in its entirety, I remember how it went. I think the final score was like 35 to 13, and Nat and Nick scored both the touchdowns. But something that stuck out to me was Rashawn Gore was able to um, pick up a lot of yards with her legs. So they'd be in shotgun. She'd look for a pass. She'd see a lane take off in some crucial play. I mean, third and fourth down, like picking up huge first downs in really tight situations with her legs. And so that's going to be something to look for on Sunday, um, her to do the same thing. To answer your question, Mississippi's, when I say they're uniquely qualified to play Texas, this is one of the reasons why. They have a, uh, how do you say this, Mark, like a boil of riches. Uh, I don't know if that's the right term. But like embarrassment fact, of riches. Yeah, embarrassment of riches, that's the term. So having Rashawn Gore as your starting quarterback and even having the option of having Regina Jackson come in if something were to happen to Gore is just crazy because you're basically swapping an elite athlete for another elite athlete. Um, so the answer is yes. Regina Jackson plays with a great deal of confidence. Um, she's a very good athlete. She can throw the ball, run the ball. And if that were to happen, uh, Mississippi wouldn't necessarily – you know, lose the game because of that, in my opinion. Um, so I think that wouldn't, that, that wouldn't be like, okay, well, Mississippi's at a competitive disadvantage now because Gore's out and Regina's a quarterback. I think Lacey is a person that we should highlight because her speed is crazy. I'm not sure if you guys have watched the uh, playoff games yep. in Mississippi, but her, her that's speed why I brought is her up. That's why I brought her up. Yeah. So, like, her speed is a problem. And so I think she's a good person to keep in, keep in mind because, like you said, you have to have a balanced attack um, to stop Texas. You can't let them gas you with the run game or tear you up with the pass game. Um, but then also the flip side of that is you, you have to be able to move the ball and score points to stay in the game against them. So one of the ways to do that is with a fast running back like Lacey. Um, so I think the combination of Gore passing and running, Lacey with her speed, they have English Bennett, who's really good also between the tackles. Um, I'm not sure if Candace Davis is going to play or not. I think she had an injury, so hopefully she'll be back, but I'm not sure about that. And then they have several good receivers. I mean, the three receivers we just talked about, that's not even mentioning – I think her name's Alyssa McCarron. She's a rookie, um, and she's really, really good also. I mean, I've seen her make crazy, crazy sideline catches this season as a rookie. So they, uh, they just have talent everywhere. And um, I think that they're in good shape no matter what happens. The only, the only way this, this game goes south is if they have a whole bunch of turnovers, um, you know, or they don't, they don't make good adjustments at halftime. So I'm really excited, man. I mean, I, I can't wait for Sunday because it's going to be a great game, and um, I'm eager to see how it plays out. Mark, so the keys to the matchup here before we end it here, limit your turnovers and score in the blue zone literally every time because you cannot afford oh, yeah. not to score in the blue zone, right? It's just the way it is. You, you said it. Yeah. If 
you know, Mississippi in particular gets turned away um, from the red zone with with no points. That's that's just not gonna that's not gonna cut it. They they have to convert big time. Yeah, and then I don't know if their kicking game's good enough, but even three points is better than zero points. So they're gonna have to really figure it figure it out. So Cameron Beal, Mr. Uh, Mr. Lister, Cameron Beal, you've dove into his head. Uh, this is a big moment for him, Coach. Right? This is a big moment because you're trying to take down the O.J. Jenkins. <laughs> the O.J. Jenkins. That's like a big, big statement. I mean, Texas has never lost in three or four years of, you know, this league being created, and they've won every championship. They've never lost. They've had, like, two close games in their history, um, which is crazy to say. But there's a reason they've never lost. And so it's definitely a tall task for Mississippi. But um, I'm super happy that Mississippi did make it back to the championship because, like I said, I think they're just – they're uniquely qualified to match up with Texas athletically. Um, and scheme-wise, they are a good matchup for Texas also because um, Texas's defense, in my opinion – is built to stop the run and kind of bully the receivers and, you know, press and make them get off presses and do stuff that most teams can't do. So if you're able to do those things and get off presses and spread Texas out, which most teams can't do, um, now now they can't do what they want to do. And so that's, that's why it's such an intriguing matchup. All right. So we're getting ready for the nine cup. Uh, go to WNFCfootball.com. Uh, the nine cup, will have to be uh, paid for uh, on pay-per-view. I believe it's $15. So you can go right there to WScore. Go to WNFCfootball.com. You get to click the link there and get yourself set up for the June 23rd through the June 25th. And the uh, itinerary is Friday, uh, Nine Cup kickoff, the prep rally. you got uh, Media Day on Saturday, plus the Adult Women's Pro Skill Camp. You also have the Herd Game Flag Football Showcase. Uh, you also got the WNFC Fan Fest as well, and then the Celebrity Flag Football Game. And then you got the uh, – on Sunday, you have the Breakfast and Awards Show. In the morning, you got the Varsity Girls Flag Football sponsored by Adidas. You got the WNFC Adidas All-Pro Game. And then, obviously, the Nine Cup Championship. All right, let's go into uh, – you guys, before we get into the WFA – let me get my list here. I think it's the finalist list, if I'm correct. Uh, so, Terry, we have a couple finalist lists on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so do you feel like who's going to win that award? You know who's, who's going to win that finalist award for the offensive? You know who's up for it? So let me, let me break it down here because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it over right now. Give me a second here. I got to go into my little uh, Twitter lab. Yes, I have the uh, I have the playoffs pulled up, but I don't have the finalists pulled up. My bad. Oh no problem. That's fine. I'm I'm, I'm going to look into it right now. Um, it's going to be uh, Jennifer King for the team uh, team saucy, and it's going to be Callie Branson directing team drip. That was the notice that I got. So let me just look into it here. I'm breaking it down because I thought I had it up and I kind of clicked it on the wrong size. So here we go. So here I go. Here we go. All right. So I have the Offensive Players of the Year, Ballard, 
of the Prodigy, Smith mm-hmm. of the Atlanta Phoenix, Scott of the Houston Mambas, Gutierrez of the Rebellion, and uh, Maria Jackson of the Spartans. So, um, so who do we debate with, uh, or Terry? Who do we go with? Uh, do we give it to Maria Jackson once again, or, or any 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 of the other four worthy? Mm. You can take that one, Mark. <laughs> that one's tough. I think it's crap. Yeah, too. that that is pretty tough. Um, all great players, obviously. That's why they're on the list. Man, it's it's hard to go against Jackson because um, she just looks unbeatable. Like all the time, right? If I were to give it to anybody else, though, I think I'd probably give it to Gutierrez. Um, I feel like she had a really good season with the Re- Rebellion, and, she, you know, she's just she's just so steady, right? Uh, so I, I definitely think she would make a very good choice. Terry, yeah, um, if you took Maria out of it, so my, who would be your other... Yeah. Yeah, so the only thing, <clears throat> only difference I would say from what Mark said is I'd probably go with Jasmine Ballard um, just because, like, her stats and how consistent she is, even though teams know that she's the main weapon, is just so impressive to me that she has that kind of production year, uh, week in and week out. Um, did, didn't she lead, lead the league in rushing this year? I believe so, yes. Yeah, I mean – She's really good, man. Like she's, she can do it all. She can go between the tackles. She can hit the edge. She can stiff arm people. She can run away from people. Um, so, I agree with Mark that AG has had an awesome, awesome year, and she definitely should be in the conversation. Um, but I think that Boward also deserves some merit. So I wouldn't be mad if any of those three got picked. Um, but it would be nice to see a non-Texas player get the award. I'm with you guys with the consensus. It would be Ballard for me as well, and then Gutierrez. Because I think Ballard, to your point, Terry, uh, Ballard literally carries the prodigy. Where I think in, yeah. in San Diego, uh, Adriana is more of a uh, second threat, you know, to the to like the uh, the quarterback status in that sense. So uh, not that she's not deserving of it, but I think that would be the case when, in terms of if you, Maria Jackson, obviously, probably the favorite, right? At this point, yeah, I just looked it up. Jasmine Ballard had 200 more rushing yards than anybody else. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So it's, <laughs> I, like I said, it's, and she she literally was the prodigy offense in, in a lot of ways in terms of yeah. playmaking and stuff like that. All right, uh, Mark MVP. Um, so let's let's go here. So we have uh, uh, Galicia who got injured. Okay. You got Rashawn Gore, who's in the final. You have Brittany Bushman, who's in the final, and then uh, Brown uh, from Atlanta, Melissa Brown. Well, I think Brown was was really great. I mean, just uh, notable performance. But I got to give it to Gore. Um, it's made such a big difference to Mississippi to have Gore on that squad. Now, you know, it's just like. I don't necessarily feel like Gore has the greatest numbers, right? And mm. in fact, I feel like I'd want to see better from an MVP, but you know, Mississippi is in the title match and you know, Gore is like 
one of the reasons, you know, one of the biggest reasons that they're there. So for me, it's Rashawn Gore. Terry? I agree. Yeah, I mean, like Mark said, her, her stats um, don't look great because she had 11 interceptions, but, I mean, she had over, what's that, over 200 yards more passing than anybody else in the league. Um, and her being at quarterback and directing that offense has uh, had great success. I mean, they're 7-1 going into the championship. And um, she's been a, a weapon all season with her arm and her legs. And so I think as far as total body of work and uh, Mississippi's results, Gore's the easy decision f- from my perspective. I say uh, Gore because without Gore, Mississippi doesn't arrive here. So I, that would be my most valuable player in that sense. Yeah, yeah you can make that so, argument for you know, sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, with, with uh, Bushman – we already know they're going to arrive here. I mean, based on the output and the balance attack, where with Gore, it took, it took her to get the Panthers to the finals. That's, my, that's the way I look at it. Agreed. All right. Um, so, Mark, uh, the shutdown DB of the year. So let's go into that. Um, what is it? Uh, Lusan? And then you got Wright from Atlanta, Richardson from the Spartans, uh, Lay from the Prodigy, and Wells from the Atlanta, uh, Houston Mambas. Well, I'm just going to, you know, I guess play favorites. <laughs> um, I really like Angie Wells. I, I just like the way she plays. She's made, like, big tackles and, you know, big plays in big moments for um, Houston. And I, I just feel like, um, I just feel like credit should be given, you know, I, that's, they had a pretty solid year and I thought, you know, Wells played well the season and, you know, down the stretch. Terry. Yeah. I mean, uh, Wells is very good. She had three picks this year. Uh, Lusane had four picks and three pick sixes, which is kind of crazy. So it's kind of hard for me to ignore that with Brittany Lusane from the Rebellion. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Tashawn Lee. She's awesome for Prodigy. Yep. And sure. um, I haven't watched much of Diamond Wright with Phoenix, admittedly. Um, I haven't watched that much Atlanta, Atlanta games this, this season because – some of the, the opponents they were playing was, weren't really competitive. Um, but based on what I know and the stats, I, I would go with uh, Brittany Lusane from the Rebellion. No question. I think Brittany nails it. Uh, I mean, just it, it's, uh, she stands out above everybody else. Plus, yeah. uh, I, I believe it was over three, three return touchdowns and 162 yeah, returning yeah, yards and four, you know, yeah, four interceptions. So, yeah, I, yeah. I'd say Lusane, too. Lusane should be you know, the, the, the best uh, DB shutdown in the league. All right. I think that's it, right? Did we do, did we miss anything? Defensive, offensive. Did I say defensive? Well, there you go. Okay. I'm sorry. I did miss defensive. Uh, Defensive, uh, Terry Gaines from Las Vegas. Kraft from your team. Patton Mm -hmm. from, I believe the Avengers. You got weathered 
from the Spartans and then Thomas from Atlanta. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to take a page out of Mark's book and be a homer on this one and go with Amber Craft. Amber <laughs> uh, <laughs> Craft is just um an absolute monster. I think you guys are all aware of this, but you know, I I, I know Amber Craft and I've coached her and been around her and obviously watched her play live uh for her whole time in Denver here. So to watch her effect on the team, um, what she brings to the team from a leadership perspective, making sure all the linebackers know what they're doing off the field, you know, with Zoom meetings and stuff, and then on the field, uh, being able to execute the game plan, make tackles, um, corral people like Tara Thomas. Like, she literally can do it all. Um, so I'm just so impressed with her as a person and a player. It would be hard for me not to give her the nod. But that's not to say that some other players aren't deserving. Um, the girl, I think her name is Patton from Florida, right? She's she's also a monster. I think she plays safety, but when I watched a Florida game, she literally was everywhere. Like, I don't know how many tackles she had, but it seemed like she made every tackle. And so that's also impressive. But um, I think Amber Craft being third in the league in tackles, um, seven and a half tackles for loss. I mean, she just <laughs> she's just amazing. So um, I don't know. I'm going to go Homer, my Homer pick, Amber Craft. Uh, I'm agree with you. I, I think she, I think she is the standout. I'll agree with that. What do you think, Mark? Oh yeah, I absolutely. I mean, that that would be my choice as well. Uh, again, not to say that the others did not have um, good seasons, not great seasons. They did. I just feel like feel like um, Kraft is really kind of a you know one of the linchpins to. Uh, Denver's defense. So on top of all the great plays that she's made, just yeah. I think the role that she has on the team, like definitely, you know, just adds that more um, to what she's done this year. Yeah. Like we were just saying that, that without Gore, Mississippi probably doesn't have the, the success they've had this season on offense, right? Would you say the same right. thing for Amber Denver's defense? I just realistically, yeah, that just – it doesn't happen. Those players are that rare. So Right. Absolutely. Just realistically. All right. So you guys got the lowdown right there, WNFCfootball.com. You can get the champion, uh, the nine cup final. I believe it's 1499 W score. Uh, so you get it right there, the link at WNFCfootball.com forward slash W score. And then you can also go there and get all the events and everything that's going to be happening this weekend, starting on the 23rd through the 25th at Frisco in Texas. So awesome. All right. So let's get into it. WFA Pro and Division Two matchups here. Um, Terry, is this Jamie Gall's season? Is Jamie Gall going to make this happen for the slam to take us to the final and go up against Allison Cahill? As it stands through eight weeks, one Cahill, Gall, number two. So uh, will will we see one and two in the final is the question. I believe we will. Um, You know, I I, I do my little fun rankings uh, for every week for why I think the power rankings are for both leagues, uh, WFA Pro and WNFC. And I've had Texas and Mississippi one and two all, you know, most of the season. Um, And, I had Boston as number one, and then Cali as number two for a while, with St. Louis being number three. But um, after I took a closer look, 
and realized that St. Louis hasn't given up a point all season, um, then it was, it was very apparent to me that St. Louis is just on a different level. So I think it's very likely. If I was a betting man, and I wish it was possible to bet in women's, women's football, um, I would definitely put a decent amount of money on it being a St. Louis-Boston final. Yeah, I mean, um, Mark, Jamie's moment here, she's got to get through uh, Chantel Nino Wiggins. Can't she do it? Take the slam. Yeah, well, you take know, down the War. That's, this is one of the things I think that's very interesting about this first-round matchup. Um, well, I'll just say that, um, you know, I don't think Minnesota or Houston – make much of a match with St. Louis. I think it's very clear that St. Louis is, is stronger than those teams, but I feel like the Cali war is kind of a bit of a wild card. I feel like if anybody is, is going to, you know, beat St. Louis on this side of the bracket, it'll be Cali. Um, it's just a matter of like Cali can get their ish together, right? They have the athletes. They, you know, I feel like they, they have a lot of weapons, but I just, you know, I just don't feel like they, you know, are consistent performers and you gotta, you know, you, you gotta have all your, your, your stuff together to uh, beat a team like the slam who have been dominant for the entire year. Uh, their defense has let up zero points and, uh, we do, we all know that Cali's capable of scoring points. Um, and I think they will score points actually against uh, the slam, but um, you know, certainly give slam the edge. Um, I expect both of those quarterbacks to really be, you know, um, front and center. Their, their play is going to help, you know, determine the outcome of the game. If, if any one, either one of them has a bad game, you know, it doesn't bode well for their team in terms of winning. Terry, if you're Cali, you've used this this Wiggins Guzman combination. Maybe that will work against the slam defense, but you know because it's two different looks. Uh, I mean that's that's definitely their hope. Um, I don't know, man. Like Cali losing to Minnesota at the end of the end of the year uh, told me a lot about where Cali's at, in my opinion. Um, the fact mm-hmm. that they weren't able to hold on and win that game, and they let Minnesota come back and win at the end, um, like that kind of gives me an idea of where they're actually at, right? So, like St. Louis played Minnesota twice. The scores were like twenty-four to zero and twenty to zero. They didn't score at all versus um, St. Louis. So, to your point, I think Cali can score on St. Louis, but scoring on St. Louis doesn't win you the game. Beating right. St. Louis wins you the game. So, like, mm-hmm. for me, it's just, just a difference of, you know, if St. Louis beat Minnesota 24-0, to they play Cali, and in my opinion, the score is something like 24-7. to So it's kind of tomato-tomato. It's, it's, there's a, there's a, a difference of a touchdown, but it doesn't really matter. It's still a dominant win, and St. Louis advances. So I feel pretty confident that's what will happen, especially with home field advantage. Mark, uh, P3 competition, forfeit wins, maybe that hinders the Cali war because their schedule wasn't that aggressive. Right. We have to, we have to and see that 
Um, how many games did they actually play during this season? What was it? Let's see. One, two. They went four and one, so they played five. And so yeah, four games. Four games they played. Um, and uh, you know, one of them against a, a Division three opponent. And um, you know, so you know, I, I don't. I don't know if it. You know. It, it's not an advantage to have played so few games, I think. Um, because To Terry's point, that, Mark, uh, Minnesota yeah. was their only pro-tough div- uh, competition, and they lost. And this will be their next toughest competition that, uh, against St. Louis in terms of a pro level. Yeah, that's right. Um, game of the season that they're going to get. The, you know, the worst matchup they could probably get. They have to travel and they have to travel to St. Louis, right? So that mm-hmm. was a big collapse. I mean, to to, to Terry's point, um, they collapsed against Minnesota. And that's the kind of ish, you know, I was referring to when, you know, I made <laughs> my content. Like, can they get their yep. ish together? Um, yeah. Yep. That, that, that's, yeah, that's, that's the, really the big thing in, in this matchup. Uh, so they have a, a huge challenge. You know, you know, really more than just facing the slam, which is hard enough. It's just making sure that your whole team is, you know, on the same page and uh, have each other's backs, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. They can't give up. If, I mean, if you give up, why show up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Terry, if you're Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, you know, you got Kelly against Jock, Christina Jock's, uh really needs this game and I mean really needs this game it's like a revenge game for them where Minnesota you're coming off that Cali war high so uh, mm-hmm. I mean this is a home game you don't want to lose it you want to move on to the playoffs so who's who's got who's feeling the more pressure is it Houston to overcome um yeah it's got to be Houston because they're, they're the away team and this is their first playoff game in WSA pro and uh They've already lost to Minnesota. So the pressure is on them to redeem themselves. What I know is I've heard straight from their mouths that this is the game that they wanted. They wanted to get a rematch, mm-hmm. second shot at Minnesota. And so that's what they got. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool because that, that isn't always the case. You know, when you have a, a tough loss against somebody, sometimes you don't get another shot at them. And so I'm happy for Houston that they get to rectify that or at least get a chance to. So it's, it's going to be a great clash because it's kind of a rematch clash. And we already know what the the first outcome was, and uh, Houston kind of like struggled in terms of you know scoring in, in that sense. Um, Mark, uh, I'm gonna skip uh, skip Boston and DC because we already know that, and we already know the matches. Uh, you guys can go back and uh, replay uh, episode. I believe it's 4:49, if I'm correct, with uh, Adrian Smith. We'll get the breakdown there as well. But anyways. Uh, Boston, D.C., rivalry of rivalries. We, already, we discussed it on our last podcast as well. Um, Alabama Fire and Pittsburgh. Uh, Mark, you said this is uh, Al- Alabama's moment. They're playing at home. Um, the question mark is, will the, the passion arrive with the full roster? I think that's also the question. Right. Um, you know, Pittsburgh uh, lost uh, a couple of very um, – impactful players uh, mid-season. Marcelina Chavez, who was their starting quarterback, 
and uh, we also know her as an experienced receiver and uh, rusher uh, in the earlier part of her career. So a very experienced player, very knowledgeable player, um, out for a few weeks. And um, in the last game of the season uh, between Pittsburgh and Boston, I did see that Chavez came in for one play. Um, she was, she lined up as a um, wide receiver, I believe. However, she was delivered a lateral and threw the ball downfield for an incompletion. So um, let, there was a Marcelina sighting at that game. I expect, okay. her, I expect her to be on the field for this game. Now, um, so obviously that's very exciting news for the Pittsburgh Passion. Uh, I feel as well, you know, as, as good as Sissy George uh, played um, with Chavez out, that this is, you know, Chavez means that there's another big weapon on the field. And it's not like they're going to not use um, Sissy George in other situations. So, uh, you know, a few more uh, weapons to play with for Pittsburgh. I agree. I think their biggest, uh, the biggest challenge will be, uh, Terry, can they contain mm-hmm. Kelly Smith? Their biggest challenge. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's an intriguing matchup. Um, these, I believe these teams have never played each other before. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, so first ever meeting. The game's in Alabama, which gives them a little bit of an advantage. But Pittsburgh's, like, they're in a um, – a top caliber team. So like them having a away playoff game doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have lower numbers or missing players and stuff like that. So I, I, I expect Pittsburgh to come full force with their full coaching staff and all the players. If Marcelina Chavez is playing quarterback, that makes a difference. Um, how much of a difference remains to be seen. Uh, if Mark said she played one, one uh, snap last game, it makes you wonder, you know, how close to a hundred percent is she? And if the answer is 70%, um, there's a big difference between an athlete like her at 70% versus 100% or 90%. Depending on what that percentage is, that has a huge impact on the game. But to your point, Oscar, stopping Kelly Smith is easier said than done. Um, Alabama has a really good team, a good offensive line, a good coach, they don't have crazy numbers, but they're just a really good team. They've always been that way. So is St. Louis. So they're a good team. They have it's at their home field, and uh, it's a really intriguing matchup. Stopping Kelly Smith is really tough. She's a crazy athlete. She has speed. She can make people miss. She can stiff arm people. You name it. Um, so stopping their scheme and Kelly Smith is easier said than done. So I'm, I'm interested to see how well Pittsburgh does that because. Um, I would have given Alabama the edge, but since Pittsburgh kind of played Boston competitively recently, that makes me question everything. That makes me like the wheels start turning. (laughs) And so I'm like, well, shit. Uh, I mean, who knows now? I mean, I I can't wait to see. I think it's the most intriguing matchup of of round one in WFA altogether. So I can't wait. Yeah, for sure. And this is is the one that we are looking for because Alabama wins here. They get the, they get the monsters of the Northeast, and we'll see how they fare there. <laughs> and they got to travel to the monsters of the Northeast. Uh, not that the Divas can't upset. Just being very clear there, Mark. Not that the Divas can't upset, but 
we could, you know, potentially see a Boston, Alabama at this point based on our predictions. All right. You might be wanting to say that to Amanda Congiality, not Mark. So just a warning. <laughs> no, no, no. Amanda, Amanda, knows, her, Amanda knows the obstacle, <laughs> Terry. I'm not telling her anything new. She knows you the should. obstacle. You should. You know, she knows the obstacle. Yeah. Um, let's see. We got 10 minutes. Let's let's break down D2 real quick. So, uh, Terry, OKC, if you are Jasmine Casada and Alexis Singleton and, of course, Sierra Adams of the Sun City Stealth, this is your moment. And can you take down the Lady Force? Yeah, I would say that, that it's a it's a long shot um, based on how how well the Lady Force have played all season. But um, like I said in previous podcasts, the Lady Force had a game um, a game later late in the season where the final score was very puzzling to me. Um, that was against the Austin, Austin Outlaws, uh, fourteen to nine, in the the second to last week. That game was puzzling to me. I actually texted the coach for OKC and asked him about that. Let me pull that up for you real quick so we can get some inside scoop here. Um, he said we were not focused and took Austin for granted. I do credit Austin and their coaching staff. Um, I will say I got my players' attention, letting letting them know that you can be beat. A lesson learned. So based on what he said, that sounds like it's full steam ahead and they should handle um, the Sun City Stealth. But that doesn't mean Sun City isn't going to show up. But if they play like they have, they played most of the season, um, I think OKC will handle them. Agreed. Uh, Mark, uh, everything rides with Nebraska against Austin, but they do have the two set back, which is Wright and Bell, and it will take them, I think, a really good game from both of them, uh, more of a running game attitude for Nebraska than a passing game. So. You know, that's that's their, their goal right now is to try to disrupt that. If you're Austin, I mean, you got to either stop – got to stop the run, stop the run. You're going to force a Skolnick to throw, and she hasn't been that great all season. Right. Uh, I mean, she hasn't been terrible. Her completion percentage is, is 43%, and, you know, she's got nine touchdowns, so uh, capable of, you know, throwing touchdown passes. Um, but certainly the bread is – um, with Tiffany Wright and Essence Bell running that football, um, you know the two of them accounted for 12 touchdowns on the season. So I absolutely agree with you, Oscar, that um, you know the the uh, Outlaws are are going to have to key in on those two very good um, uh, running backs uh, if they want to um, have a chance at this game. If you're on the other side, Terry, uh, if you're Austin, uh, Kia Love has pretty decent passing uh, passing uh, this this uh, season. Plus, you got to contend. If you're Nebraska, you got to contend with uh, Desiree Rodriguez and Ayana Holmes, primarily in terms of the receiving core, and that's their bread and butter, the receiving core. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from my perspective, this game, um, I definitely would give Nebraska the the odd in this one. Um, what I look at personally is common opponents. So a common opponent for both these teams this year was the Oklahoma Rage. Austin beat Oklahoma 22 to 14. Nebraska beat Oklahoma 42 to six. 
that's a pretty big, big discrepancy about how the, how both those teams played um, Oklahoma Rage. And so unless, you know, Oklahoma imploded or they had half their team quit or something crazy like that, I think that that should be noted. Um, so that's why I would give Nebraska the edge. And, Mark, if you're the chaos at this point going up against Baltimore, uh, you're going to rely on your run game because that's what's been working all season. And you had, what, a three-set quarterback committee. I don't know if there was because of injuries or just the way the structure it is, but overall uh, between Tally and I think it's Whitlow Moore, that was literally your offense, and then pretty much Tally has been most of the offense. Yeah, I mean, one of the big challenges uh, for uh, Columbus this season has been, you know, finding somebody can be effective under center. Uh, They didn't really, you know, it has been quarterback by committee there, but no one has really out, you know, excelled any more um, than any of the other players. Um, Kerry Lohr has um, 269 yards, which is kind of by far the most on that team. So, um, but, you know, the results haven't really been there. Um, everybody has more interceptions than touchdowns, and they don't have a lot of touchdowns. Rating, you know, QB ratings at 34, uh, 35, and, you know, no higher than that. So, uh, yeah, quarterback play has been a weakness for the chaos this year. And um, it's Sovian Whitlamore who's been uh, basically carrying the team by rushing the football. Um, Deasha Talley uh, has uh, five touchdowns. So she's, you know, carrying a big part of that load as well. So, you know, if, if, if I would be expecting Columbus to do a lot of running. And then if you go Baltimore, uh, Mark, the same thing happens. They're basically more of a run game. You got Vetok, uh, Edelman, Stewart. So this this matchup is basically on the ground because the the uh, quarterback the quarterbacks are not stellar. So it's it's a ground yeah. game. So it's, it's defenses basically for both teams to to, to to who wins it will be defense. Um, Terry, uh, let's go let's go with the uh, Atlanta Rage, uh, New York Wolves, uh, Daniela Ayala. Uh, this is her moment. Last year didn't work out because of all the infractions, so she's arrived here. Uh, you also have a comfort zone in terms of Karen Mulligan, okay, and then also Allison Ganlin. So if you're uh, the the Wolves, uh, this is a must win. You you got to show up and take down Atlanta because this is where you wanted to be last year. That's true. Um, as we know, New York season got cut short because of some. Uh, some calls on, uh, I guess, rules that they broke last season. So, obviously, that's not a good good way to end your season. Probably had a bad taste in the mouth. And so, I'm really interested to see how this plays out. Um, it's kind of hard to see to say how these teams actually match up together or against each other. But um, I've, I've been very impressed with Atlanta Rage as a first-year team in WFA. And New York, New York Wolves are 6-0 and for a reason. So, uh, I think it's a really intriguing matchup, probably the most intriguing matchup of D2, in my opinion. And, Mark, uh, this matchup here, if you're Atlanta, you're trying to take down the big bad Wolves, right, disappoint their season. So if you're mm-hmm. Oriana Taylor, you have, a, you have a good season. If you're basically uh, Mendez, Mosley, and Harris, this is your moment. Five touchdowns, five touchdowns, 
So they, they have no lack of scoring. So if you're the uh, New York Wolves defense, that's your threats right there, the receiving core. Yeah. Oh, ab- absolutely. You know, and, I mean, Atlanta does have a balanced uh, offensive attack. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they got people who can rush and they got people who can catch the ball. And they've all, they all score touchdowns. So I, I, I like what they've shown on offense um, in this game. I, I, you know, I think they, it's very clear to me that they have the personnel to score points and therefore win with offense. So the question really turns to the defense and, you know, what they can do to uh, stop New York. And I think particularly the passing game, since that's really what's been featured uh, by the Wolves this year on the, when they're on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, you got uh, Caparty. Caparty uh, is a main focus point for them, uh, mixing in uh, Parota, Gantlin, and Forgotta Yee. Uh, but, you know, Hall of Famer Mulligan, right in the back pocket, could switch it out, right? Uh, Ayala can run. So it's going to be a challenge for Atlanta, but I think it's, a, it's an evenly matchup game here. Both uh, good offensive powerhouses, good receivers. So it's going to be a great matchup. So, guys, that's it, the breakdown. We're looking forward to it. Uh, June 24th, that's what we're looking for here. June 24th, first round of the playoffs coming up here. Uh, We're looking forward to that in the WFA as the road to Canton arrives. Um, And then we broke down the nine-cup preview, keys to the win for uh, Mississippi and Texas Elite Spartans. And then, uh, so, you know, awesome. If you guys need, uh, need to go back to the first hour, we did recap the European results in Germany and Finland and Sweden. So uh, thanks to Chris Sacco for coming in. Give us the lowdown on the uh, Utah Girls Football League and being part of the Utah Conference now. So Mark uh, and Terry, we're out of here. Looking forward to it. Got my Slurpee ready. This is it, nine cup weekend. Looking <laughs> forward to it, plus the WFA playoffs. Good luck to all the play- teams. All right, guys. Catch you guys next week. Break it down and see what the outcomes are. Have a good night, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.